0: You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Julie Larson Brischer, Science and Technology Editor for Meeting Place Magazine. Welcome to episode four of Meeting Pod, where we're talking meat quality and processing trends with Nelson Gatos, Outreach Specialist with the American Association of Meat Processors, North America's largest meat trade organization. Nelson's work as AAMP science guy involves consulting members and fielding questions on topics on everything from meat science to Food Safety, Processing, pass-up Quality, and Regulatory Affairs. He also guides industry-focused research and challenge studies and creates training and educational videos and materials for the association's members, most of whom are from medium and small-sized meat processing operations. Welcome to Meeting Pod, Nelson. Happy to have you as a guest on the podcast today.
1: Thank you for having me. Happy to be here.
0: I know you spend a lot of time answering questions for AAMP's more than 1,400 meat processor members. So our questions for you today, Nelson, should be a breeze. (laughs) But let's start with a big picture one. What do you think are the most significant challenges that small and very small meat processors will face in 2021? And how can science and tech innovation help address
1: those challenges? Sure. I think... The main one that sticks out to me is keeping up with the increased demand from consumers. 2020 and everything that's happened with this past year has really shed a light on the meat industry and the need for small and medium-sized meat processors spread throughout the country to really keep up with uh, supply and demand of the country itself. So I will say that Many members that I've spoken to that do slaughtering or receive uh, product from some of their other fellow processors that do slaughtering are already booked through next year through 2021, and some are already booking already into 2022. So I see that as a good thing, and that it's it's great to see the popularity of the small meat processor continue to grow and really to keep these businesses alive and thriving and hopefully looking at expanding and increasing their operations but i also see that as a problem and that it's putting a lot of strain on the the slaughterers that are taking these increased uh animals and from the farmers and everything
0: well do you think that covid has had is the thing that's pushing that? I mean, it, will that be still happening in 2021?
1: I don't know if, you know, it's very hard to tell what's going to happen with covid and how the country and the world's going to respond to this and bounce back from it, but I would like to think that the interest and the demand remains if not increases for the the, the smaller side of the meat process, of the meat industry. Yeah. So, I would like to think that that interest will remain and people who don't normally go to the small local butcher shop down the road, but because they had to during this pandemic, because there was low supplies in their grocery store, liked what they saw and became returning customers. Yeah.
0: Is there any, what kind of science or technology solutions do you think can help them keep up with that new demand or growing demand
1: i think a lot of automation can come from the slaughtering process itself you know one of the the biggest problems in the meat industry unfortunately is finding employees and not just employees that already have experience but employees that are willing to learn so one of the solutions that we have to that is automation of the process so if automation can become more widespread and more affordable, especially for the small and medium-sized processors, then I think that can really help work at that problem of that dwindling pool of employees.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, there is a lot of, it seems like a lot of new innovation having to do with sort of carcass and product processing, and even even some smaller robotics, but there's a lot of AI even that you can do from your smartphone that can help you streamline your productivity, I think, a
1: little bit. And when answering that question, I think I was focusing more on the slotting part of it, but you know, automation can be applied throughout the entire process. You were just talking about automation of watching over a certain process or something like that. There are processors that have apps on their phone that are linked to their smokehouses that can really take, you know, instead of having somebody have to wait around or go check on something overnight, that kind of thing, having that sort of control of the process through automation not only can help fill that need of more employees or more manpower, but also increase the productivity of the whole process, increase the quality, and you're also increasing the documentation of the process as well. So the more information you have on your side to show that your product has been fully cooked, to show the cooling of the the product, and anything in between, the more the better.
0: Yeah, it's all about the data now.
1: (laughs) Yes, it is, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Well, so along these lines, what do you think are the top um, meat science and tech trends for 2021? Um, Like, what should smaller operations be tracking, um, especially in terms of meat quality or quality quality assurance?
1: I think because of how 2020 came about and how the shift from eating out versus staying at home, Um, affected consumers and really affected the whole country and the whole world with that. I think focusing more on products that can be cooked at home and not necessarily saying that people aren't going to be buying steaks or some of these more expensive cuts of meat, but really focusing on items that can be cooked from home in recipes and even taking a step further of you know creating products where you're not just selling the meat product itself but you're also selling a a meal kit or providing some sort of recipe to accompany that meat product to really show that the people this is how you can cook it this is how you can enjoy it from the safety of your own home
0: yeah did you think that the smaller meat processors we're able to pivot in, you know, and provide people with that sort of information,
1: which is kind of more retail, you know? I think so, yes. Uh, I know a lot of members of AMP over the past couple of years have really been increasing that retail side, increasing the meal kits, increasing that interaction with processors, you know, and, you know, going back to those the people that maybe going to the butcher shop for the first time because their local grocery store is out, they can go and physically talk to a person and get opinions, ask them what sort of product, you know, they would recommend or I'm looking to cook this sort of meal. What can you recommend? How you how can you cook it? So having that additional information to accompany that product is really, really valuable to people.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is that people are very they may or may not even know how to cook at home. um, But the pandemic has kind of forced the issue. And so folks are are very, very interested in not only being able to go into a, a grocery store and, you know, they want to select their meat and their produce, those perishable items. You don't really, people don't want to pick that up at the curve. They want to go in and select that. And they look at the things like color and texture and all those consumer appeal attributes, you know, to select that piece of meat. But when they get home, they don't, they would also like to maintain the quality of that ingredient that, maybe that center of the plate protein that they bought for the family that night. And they don't want to wreck it by cooking it incorrectly or, you know, not taking the temperature and not doing it safely. So I feel like what you're saying is true. It's sort of like that whole movement toward helping the consumer maintain the meat quality that has been put in the retail shelf by a lot of different sources now. It's it's not just the big guys, it's a lot of your local right, your local processing operations have really stepped up their game. Put it into retail.
1: And people are going to really heed that information a lot more from hearing the butcher or whoever's selling this item to them talk about the item versus looking at a label on the packaging or going to the product's website, that kind of thing. So that Hearing that information directly from another person really goes back to that, really that adding that value to that whole, not just the product, but really just the experience.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know, that reminds me, so you, in November of this last year, you at AMP launched this new educational video on meat color, which I found really educational. Can you tell us a little bit about the science behind meat color and why having a better science based understanding of it will result in a safer product with a longer shelf life and less food waste?
1: So in my opinion, color is one of the single most influential factors when it comes to whether a meat product will be purchased or not quality, flavor, tenderness, just overall wholesomeness and food safety are interpreted from how the product looks. And when, it, when, we're coming, when we're thinking about meat, a lot of that appearance is attributed to the color of the product. So if people can have a better understanding of how a meat product looks, how it should look, you know what the color of the product actually indicates then i think it will result in longer shelf life of the product less product maybe being unintended or being thrown away or thought to be spoiled when it really actually, actually isn't spoiled uh, the one example i'm thinking of is you know as ground beef ages it turns from that bright red cherry color that people love To a sort of more purple and even sort of more brown color. People, you know, a lot of people associate that with being rotten or spoiled meat product. That's not the case. It's just the fact that that color is changing because of the environment it is exposed to. So, really working on consumer education and getting the word out about these sort of changes that can happen with a meat product that maybe they're not so used to buying and purchasing, handling and cooking themselves, the less food waste, I think we'll see.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I've seen that over just in the last few years, there's been kind of a a push, especially at some science meetings to kind of push purple meat
1: is okay, right? Yeah, having that vacuum package product. Yeah, and giving it that trade kind of trademark purple color. It isn't a bad thing. It's just a another way to help extend the shelf life and extend the life of that product.
0: Yeah. Well, and also since we're talking meat quality today, I, I want to touch base with you on the topic of animal welfare and humane handling. Do you have any advice for meat processors about their role in animal welfare and handling? And are there any tools available to assure that their programs are effective?
1: So there are really dozens of factors that can both positively and negatively affect the influence of meat color prior to slaughter. So the one factor I'm thinking of that comes to mind first is stress. Uh, Stress on the animal while it is alive before slaughtering. Stress of the animal while it's in transportation, while it arrives at the slaughterhouse, interacting with potentially new animals, and just the stress of the animal throughout the whole process. Going back to transporting, um, experiencing new environments, sights, smells, noises, I mentioned unfamiliar animals, the lighting of the building, the fact that they're in a new place itself, temperature, humidity, all these things can negatively stress out the animal, and that in turn can affect the quality of the meat later on after slaughter. So, doing everything to make the animal comfortable and make that those last steps of the animal's lives as easy as possible doesn't, isn't just an animal welfare issue. It's not just, it's not some sort of issue that, oh, people should do this because, you know, it's, it's more of a factor that's in the minds of the consumers. It's really a factor that helps control the quality of your product later on as it's produced.
0: Do you guys have any programs or fact sheets on that at the association?
1: Going back to the the video that you mentioned on meat color, Mm -hmm. there is a section on that uh, video as well. Uh, There is a larger article that accompanied the video that was released about the same time. I expand on those issues as well as a big part of the article.
0: Okay, great. Well, let's talk a little bit about nutrition then. Well, when you have a quality product, you also want to know that it's great for your diet, right? So, and there's been a lot of research around animal proteins and their contribution, you know, to a healthy and well-balanced diet. Um, what, What do you think are the most important takeaways this year on meat nutrition?
1: I'll start by answering that question and say that fat has really gotten a bad rap over the years. Um, There's a lot more research coming to light now of how our body processes fat and how fat versus carbohydrates contributes to a healthy or a a not so healthy lifestyle. And I really think that, you know, a a healthy diet can be accompanied with or without a meat product. I just think it's so much easier if you are incorporating meat products. It's It's one of, if not the most nutrient dense foods we have available to us. And it contains a lot of essential vitamins and minerals that can't be really found anywhere else and any other products. The absorption of these nutrients is, is very, very high in our bodies. And it also accompanies a healthy diet of fruits and vegetables as well. You know, combining a healthy balance of fruit and vegetables with a a meat diet, they help each other in the absorption of each of those nutrients, one from the other. So really having everything in moderation and, you know, also incorporating diet and exercise, it's not, there isn't just one way to completely change your life and have a healthy diet and lose all this weight. It's about getting to the basics, you know, having a healthy diet where you input all the necessary vitamins, minerals, and nutrients you need. And if you are in a a position of losing weight, the input has, has to be less than the output. It's as simple as that. It's a numbers game.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that balance between carbs, fats, and protein, you know, people have come up with some very good, uh, not only weight loss, but it, it helps you manage um, diabetes and, you know, other chronic diseases. And I, I think it's it's interesting because when people talk about well-balanced uh, diets now, protein has become like a, a signature part of that mix. And obviously, animal proteins offer that, like you said, that nutrient-dense
1: Contribution right to your overall diet and and going back to the moderation you know a lot of a lot of the conversations involving meat in the diet doesn't distinguish what meat product we're talking about there's a there's a very large difference between having a you know some sort of higher fatty cooked products let's say a bacon versus having a very very lean steak it, it's all about balance you don't want to only eat bacon you know you don't want to just eat plain you know cooked steaks either it's it's just about a balance.
0: yeah that's right well thanks so much nelson i've had a great time chatting with you And listeners, you can also head over to meetingplace.com and access our technical article series online for latest articles written by our network of expert contributors on a range of science and technology topics, including meat quality, safety, and processing tech. Or visit the American Association of Meat Processors website at aamp.com where you can learn more about the association's services and events and find a ton of scientific, education, networking, and regulatory Resources, including the educational video on meat color that we discussed today. Thanks again, Nelson. I hope we can touch base again later in the new year.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify. Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and follow meeting place and altmate magazines on social media or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net.